0: Our Gospel reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. It will be familiar to many of you. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns, When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that we may go into the village, and they may go and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. And then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and he blessed and broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds, and all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. This is the word of the Lord. So that day, the day that Jesus fed the clouds, was not supposed to turn out that way. The day before, John the Baptist had been executed. It was a bloody, gruesome affair. John had been beheaded at the whim of Herod's jealous wife, and the head had been paraded around. Our scripture, began when Jesus heard what had happened. Jesus had just heard, and he began this day stricken, seeking out a time to process this profound loss. John and Jesus were close. They were probably related, certainly bound in their call from God and their shared ministry. John's slaying also represented an ominous turn of events, underscoring the daunting magnitude of the cultural and political dangers and the arbitrary callousness of those in power. How long before Herod would trap him? He had disciples to equip, a new understanding of law and grace and justice to impart organization and partnerships and tools and determination to instill. He still needed to grieve and then to think and then to prepare himself and the disciples for the dangers ahead. They pulled out a boat and got in it to withdraw to the far side of the lake. No. It's the same as many of us. We seek to withdraw when we're afraid, or overwhelmed, or deeply hurt, or profoundly misunderstood, or judged. But it was not to be. Somehow, somewhere, someone spotted them and realized where this group was headed. So a crowd started growing. People started coming from the town, and they started running around the lake to where they thought Jesus would land. So when the little boat approached the shore, there were people already gathered. I suspect that when those disciples saw the gathering crowds, they would have turned the boat right around and gone on farther to a different place. They were not planning on sharing Jesus for that day. They were not planning on working a crowd or facing another long day of demands. I am sure, as Jesus said, let's go ashore, I am sure embers of resentment would have been sparked. But for Jesus, the response was a no brainer. THE FEEDING OF THE THOUSANDS IS TOLD SIX TIMES IN FOUR GOSPELS, AND EVERY GOSPEL VERSION AGREES. JESUS IS DRAWN TO THE CROWDS BY COMPASSION. HE HAD COMPASSION ON THEM. COMPASSION. THE GREEK WORD COMES FROM THE COMMON WORD FOR SPLEEN OR intestines. WE MIGHT SAY HE FELT IT IN HIS GUT author Frederick Buechner describes it as the sometimes fatal capacity for feeling what it is like to live inside somebody else's skin. The sometimes fatal capacity. The knowledge that there can never really be any peace or joy for me unless there is peace and joy for you. Compassion. And this is Jesus. This is Jesus, so without hesitation, despite everything else, he responds with hands-on love, with healing and reassuring, with open arms and open heart. By evening on this unexpected day, the disciples' smoldering resentments were beginning to flare. They finally said what they probably had wanted to say since the first person showed up that morning. Jesus, send the crowds away. In some ways, this is a very honest prayer. Can each of you, can any of you relate? I can. I've done it enough. You know, I'm out of ideas. I need a break. There are no more Sunday school teachers or deacons or breeders to be found. There's no money to fix the outside steps. I can't afford a trip to see my ailing parent. I can't deal with my adolescent child. Send her to a shrink. Send away the homeless and the unemployed and the undocumented and the hurting and the angry. Send the fools and the thugs away. Send the president away, just impeach him. Throw the cabinet out, stop reading the newspapers, ignore the news, just send them all away to the villages roundabout so they can find their own food. Jesus sees it differently. He says, You give them something to eat. <laughs> the disciples gasped, Wouldn't you? We're talking about a football stadium full of people. The disciples faltered exactly where each of us might falter. Too little resources, Lord. Our supplies are so meager. We're scraping the bottom of the barrel here. We're too few. We don't have enough. We can't do it. Jesus insists, right? Jesus always insists. How much food do you have, he says. Five loads of bread and two fish. Well, he says, bring them here to me. And then Jesus does exactly what he would later do at the Last Supper. He looks up to heaven. He blesses the food. He breaks it up into small pieces and gives it to the disciples. You feed them. (laughs) I guess the disciples felt, at that moment, they had no choice. They were required in that moment to trust. They were required to risk running out of food. They were required to risk being jeered. They were required to risk being trampled by eager, hungry people. With one parting look at Jesus, I'm sure. They get up, start going to the crowds. And you know what? The bread and the fish just kept miraculously multiplying. And they did not run out of food. And everyone was fed. Did this really happen? Maybe. I have no doubt, not one doubt, that God through Jesus could have multiplied all that food and fed those people. Now, some other people say perhaps the people in the crowd actually had some food in their pockets. They were hoarding it. They were afraid that it would run out, just like the disciples were afraid there wasn't enough. But when the disciples started to share their food, they were motivated and inspired to share their food well, sort of like a stone stu- soup sort of story. And lo and behold, it turned into an abundant picnic supper. Was it a miracle? Yeah, maybe. Whether it was an outside from above miracle or a INSIDE FROM WITHIN MIRACLE. IT WAS A MIRACLE, MAYBE. BUT THE PROBLEM WITH MIRACLES... THE PROBLEM WITH MIRACLES IS THAT WE GET MESMERIZED BY THEM. WE FOCUS ON GOD'S RESPONSIBILITY, NOT OUR OWN. MIRACLES APPEAL TO THE PART OF US THAT WANTS TO SEND EVERYONE AWAY, RIGHT? the part of us that's all too happy to let God feed the crowd and save the world and do it all. We don't have what it takes, after all. What we offer is not enough to make any difference, so we hold back and wait for a miracle, looking after our own needs and looking for God to help those who cannot help themselves. But the real miracle, the real miracle in our story, is that a group of human beings got into action, and then became family. The disciples gathered them in small groups and created a series of intimate circles. They overcame their own fear of going hungry. They gave up their need to protect themselves. They trusted in a power greater than themselves, and everybody joined in this potluck. IS IT NOT A MIRACLE WHEN A WHOLE BUNCH OF PEOPLE MOVE FROM A SENSE OF SCARCITY TO A SENSE OF ABUNDANCE? FROM A PLACE OF FEAR AND SUSPICION TO A PLACE OF TRUST AND WHOLENESS? CAN GOD SET A TABLE IN THE WILDERNESS? (laughs) ABSOLUTELY. ALWAYS. PERHAPS BEST IN THE WILDERNESS. Certainly, best noticed in the wilderness. The Bible is replete with references to God as provider, as provider of both physical bread and bread for the soul. And we need this bread. We need this food of wisdom to recognize the hand of God in our lives, the bread of justice to see the hungers around us. The bread of prayer to deal with our addictions, a metaphor for all that we crave and our inclination to be self-sufficient. We need the bread of guidance to entrust our lives to the God of our understanding and the bread of discipline to share our fears and our fun with those who make up the circle of our lives. God will always set a table in the wilderness. But in Matthew's Greek, the command is emphatic. You, you give the food for them to eat. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, it requires active participation from those who wish to see the prayer answered. It's as if Jesus is determined That the disciples should not just see God's power with their eyes, but that it should pass through their hands. They should be a part of it. The source of the feeding is God, no question. But the resources, the response, is human. The bread came not from the sky, but from enacted faith. Jesus points the way God provides, but human hands and hearts deliver. And the people themselves, they become the ministers of the miracle. In their hands, the bread multiplied. So the question is, how do you view your life? Is it an attitude of abundance or of scarcity? Is it an attitude of irritation or compassion? Is there fear and self-preservation or is there trust trust that God will provide and that it will be enough? Do you understand that out of our abundance, we're being told to take it and distribute it? It's not about God's work. Not just about God's work, it's about our work as well. So the disciples are still learning. They're learning that Jesus did not command the whole world to go to church. Jesus commanded his church to go to the whole world. Are we learning that as well? Amen.